0: Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. I am so excited today to have the most wonderful guests at the table with me this week. These two women recently graduated from the Unapologetic Speaker Training Program, and they performed at a recent virtual event called Evolutions. Uh, Just was it this past November? I can't even remember what month it was. November 2020 was such a such a mystery. Uh, But their talk was called Unzipped, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But they are, let me introduce them first, Kasha Mitten and Maggie Ainsley. Maggie and Kasha, Maggie and Kasha, who together make up the MASH movement, Maggie, Kasha, MASH, which hosts events and engagements centered around four key pillars movement, awareness, service, and health, M A S H. But this company began for a much bigger reason, one that is based, of course, on all of those pillars, but perhaps one even bigger, which is love. A mother's love for her child through tremendous challenge, as we will hear in a moment, and the love and support that Maggie and Kasha have shared and continue to share with one another through life's most difficult moments. When we as mothers, as women, as friends, as human beings, need to mash our resiliency and our toolkits together to pull each other through the hardest times, that is what MASH movement is all about. That's the meaning today. So let's bring on Kasha and Maggie so they can tell us more about that meaning and how to cultivate these pillars of love and service into our own lives. Welcome, Maggie and Kasha.
1: Thank you Thank for having
0: you, me. Anna. That was a beautiful intro. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. And I've got Kasha from Western British Columbia out in Kamloops, and then I've got Maggie, who's actually representing the East Coast of Canada. So where and whereabouts are you, Maggie?
1: I'm in Oakville.
0: In Oakville.
1: Okay, so to...
0: yeah, we have literally moved from East Coast to West Coast. Here we have the. All of Canada covered. So, Kasia, let's start with your story then, because although MASH, as we learned during the speaker training program, and of course, we just talked about, uh, was built on years and years of challenge and triumph between both of you, the catalyst to really kicking off the MASH movement was your son, Jude. So tell
2: us first um, about that mission and about the beautiful Jude. Jude. Okay, so my son Jude, he's 8 years old and in 2016, um we got the unfortunate diagnosis of um his, his the disease that he has which is called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um it is a progressive genetic uh neuromuscular disease affecting uh, approximately 1 in every 3500 boys. Um it um, just to give you like a, a Cole's notes about it. It's a mutation in the X chromosome. So, um, that would, we can explain <laughs> why we have our, our mash movement logo, but, um, basically what it does is he's missing it, because he has this mutation in this X chromosome. He is missing, um, the ability to produce something called dystrophin, which is a protein and dystrophin acts like a glue that holds our muscles together. And without that, our muscles simply break down. So um, it's it, unfortunately one of the most fatal um, forms of muscular dystrophy. Um, and the trajectory is very uh, complex and it can be um, not as long as we like. So. Um, the core of our movement really stemmed from, from Jude and the love that I have and the love as a mother that, you know, you would just walk through fire for or do anything to help save your child. And we live in a country where we have, um, you know, really good health care. But unfortunately, when it comes to rare diseases, we've, we've been advocating to our government for a national plan to help Guide the diagnosis, the treatment, the screening, and the management of rare diseases because we, unlike other developed countries, do not have a rare disease policy or plan to support the three million-ish people that are afflicted with rare diseases. So it's about two thirds of children in those in that population. So it's a big, it's a, you know, it's been a a, a heavy load on the heart um, personally as a mom, but also collectively. As a nation, um, looking at the support and, and um, the system error that is in front of us in terms of what these boys need for for support and advocacy, we don't have any approved drugs. There is no cure. So we are fighting hard. There's clinical trials happening, but we are fighting really hard. So we'll talk more about our movement, but really Maggie and I, it was coming together East Coast, West Coast in movement, but also in advocacy. and. Um, and just trying to bring the collective voices together because as, you know, being that it's a rare disease, um, the voices aren't as loud as, as other, um, you know, other health conditions. We just don't have the numbers, so. But that's so interesting and something, I, I mean, of course,
0: when we hear about rare diseases or we, we hear from people like you who are experiencing them firsthand, this is just, I mean, I'm learning this in the moment right now. Of course, of course, the collective, when you have a rare disease, the collective feels like it's not as loud for that reason. And so you individually, as the mother of a child with a rare disease, feels like you have to be louder mm-hmm. as a result.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't, there is, we don't know of any other child in our, in our city that has it. There was one other... Um, boy and he unfortunately passed away at the age of 18. So this is the question I will say this because people often ask us like what is the age and we've been told we'll be lucky if our son lives into his 20s. Wow
0: that's a heavy piece of information for you to carry and I know when you've touched so many of us when you shared that story back in speaker training of course and also through the MASH movement. Um, I am curious as well you are also working in a healthcare field. You are in the healthcare field. This is something that not only you have to take on kind of from the mother's perspective, but you're also actually doing this every single day. You're walking this walk as well from a medical perspective. Can you tell us how that has either added to your, I I wanna say the word comes up, I wanna say, does it add to the challenge for you emotionally?
2: yeah i mean it's hard i'm an, I'm a registered nurse um you know there's that saying ignorance is bliss and not knowing all the information can be really helpful um knowing what i know and having the the background in healthcare takes me to places sometimes that aren't helpful because you can you've seen things and you know things and and you know what you're up against with the system working in a system and i find it exhausting and that's why that's another reason why in part of our MASH movement is to bring this voices because if I'm exhausted and I know the system and I know the questions to ask and I know who to go to. Um, for example, his diagnosis his diagnosis, I you know, I took him in. I knew something wasn't right when he was a baby and I took him in multiple times and nobody would listen to me. They said, oh, you're being a medical mom, you're being type A, he's a late bloomer. And finally, I had to self refer to a children's therapy center and walk in and say, I want a Peabody assessment because I knew what that those numbers would do. I knew that if we had an object, objective number that they would listen to me. And so I think about this and I think about parents who wouldn't know to do that. And I think you know my heart just like i have such a heavy heart as it is with this whole situation but i cannot imagine and i've spoken um, maggie and i will talk more we work very closely with the with the nonprofit organization or the charity the only charity in canada that um, solely focuses on research for Duchenne called Jesse's Journey, and they're out east. And I've spoken at some of their forums about advocacy and engagement and talking to families who are, um, you know, dealing with not only one child, but because it's often um, handed down through the X chromosome of the mother who doesn't know she has it um there there are families who are dealing with multiple boys in their family who have this disease because you know they had a child the child was two not yet diagnosed they had another child and it's just it's such a heavy um it's a heavy diagnosis to carry and i i'm here to say that to any family that is suffering with any kind of rare disease it's hard and um you know and you got to know who to, who to talk to and and where to go. And I've, I found it extremely challenging. I'm fighting (laughs) battles right now, trying to get access to drugs that are approved in the States that my son needs, and they're not approved in Canada. And I've been dealing with Health Canada, and I've been dealing with patient navigators from, you know, overseas. And, you know, there's just a lot to it. And I also, I'm just going to say this too, it's a very isolating disease because, you know, you don't see people in your community there are no support groups close by you can't go strolling with another mom who has you know who's in the same boat so you know that in itself can be very hard because not only are you carrying this tragic situation but you're also unable to reach out sometimes to people and have that sense of community and belonging so that's been that trying to foster that. And so that's, again, why the MASH movement, we're about connection, we're about building community, not only for people with rare diseases, but for anyone who has lost the belief in possibility or who has lost hope in whatever they're carrying. That is so beautiful, Kasha. Like I'm just mesmerized
0: by your advocacy and your, just the way that you articulate the feelings and the mission and the passion behind what you do, I'm truly like inspired. I'm, I kind of want to know what you would say to other parents, perhaps who are struggling with this and don't really know what a Peabody test is, or don't have those, uh, doesn't have the medical knowledge around that, or doesn't know to ask. Let's just talk to mothers who are struggling with their intuition, or following their intuition, or being told as you were, um, you're just being overbearing, or
2: hmm
0: you're pushing too hard what advice would you give to parents out there who have a feeling something may be wrong and aren't feeling
2: heard it's not only to parents but it's to anybody uh you just you just need to listen to yourself our heart speaks our heart is more intelligent than our brain and if we get quiet enough and we know it, it's there and I and you know I t- like I've done many things in my career from managing to care coordinating to teaching at the university and the one thing I always tell students is I say you always have to listen to the patient you always have to listen to the person they are the expert they are the ones living the experience and don't ever for you know for a moment doubt even if they just say I don't know and I don't know what it is but something isn't right you just go with that and because there's always something there it's the why behind the why right it's that you know asking the questions and getting really curious and just be curious and never give up and you have to really learn to just be your own advocate because nobody is going to be calling you to follow up you need to push and ask and just stay determined stay on the course and and just stand in your own sense of knowing and that that can be really hard and sometimes i know even myself like. You know, at the time of Jude's diagnosis, I was teaching at the university here and I was teaching growth and development. And I was standing in front of the class talking about the milestones and thinking to myself, I know my son's not even meeting these milestones. And, you know, and I just kept going back and going back and saying, I know that I'm not being a medical mom. There is something going on here. Right. So reach out. And if those healthcare professionals or whoever you're dealing with aren't listening, find another route, find somebody else who will, like, just don't give up. Don't give up.
0: (sighs) I just, I'm just taking this all in, Kesha. I just, I I really love listening to you truly. And I I I feel like I'm being inarticulate and even responding to you, but it's because I don't necessarily want to interrupt or add anything to what is such a critical conversation. Um, But what I love so much and what I want to talk a little bit more about with the MASH movement is how you are, Feeling into your own isolation, feeling into your own loneliness around, in your case, this particular disease. But for other mothers, women, friends, human beings in general who are out there feeling isolated or alone, there is this other mission of yours, which is to connect, which is to stay connected, to build community. And that's what you and Maggie are creating here with the MASH movement. So, talk to us first about. The four pillars. So, what is movement, awareness, service, and health in connection to the broader community that you're building here with MASH?
2: Maggie, do you want to talk?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I know, Anna, you've already said it, but I hope I don't get too teary on here. Like, Kasha has taught me lessons of. You know, not just from Jude, um, and you, as you'll know, um, a little later, there has been other grief and losses in each of our lives. But I think one of the biggest ones that connected Cash and I back in our days of grade nine was her mom and my mom's relationship. And then when we lost her dear mom, who was also Judy, who Jude is named after and Kasha from a very young age has always been wiser behind, beyond her years. And she is a year older than me. So I always do look up to her. <laughs> um, But, you know, Cash and I uh, have continuously always wanted to do something together. And I don't know if we were like little entrepreneurs when we were in grade nine. Who knows what we were doing back then? But we were always sort of this little partnership and this sort of evolved. It was a few summers ago. Well, we just started. We're like, what can we do? And we have had a lot of different ideas come in and out, made fun of by our husbands, my brother. And it really was our love. I think if you if we go back to our days, we were dancers as um, teenagers and young adults um, being in movement. And we started to we mashed our names together, Maggie and Kasha. And as we were walking down Main Street in Vancouver, we started to talk about, well, what could these acronyms stand for other than mansion, apartment, shack or house? And it's evolved (laughs) to like movement, awareness, service and health. And. As we started to talk about these, we actually like without even knowing it, we realized organically we were living these like we were living, whether it was in movement from, you know, showing up to a fitness class, yoga, bar, um, running, hiking, you know, whatever that was. Um, but kasha has always talked about, you know, our movement of this ripple effect of, Whether it is raising, obviously, as our main core, um, awareness around Jesse's journey and to find a cure for Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, Uh, Jude is to me, we're not blood related, but he is like, I love him like my own children. My kids love him. My husband does. Um, You know, and then we realize that in our own communities, you know, service was such a massive part of our lives. It is for me one of, you know, my biggest, it brings me joy in being of service. And in that, it was where I really have honed in a sense of community after moving out East. And I've jumped, I moved over awareness, sorry. And through our movement and our service, we have been able to bring awareness to, you know, Duchenne's. But last year we realized as we sort of, you know, were writing a list of all the things that you know we had done together that we were raising awareness for multiple charities and communities in our own communities and then globally and then with bringing movement and awareness and service we recognized that this was just like the the added last bonus of health like yes our physical health of moving our bodies but the mindfulness around all of this work and our ability to you know i think for me i am not living with a kid with a rare disease but I know that Cassius knows this, but I never want her to ever feel isolated. Like I am in this with her 110% of the way our family is, and we will move with her and raise awareness until there is a cure. We will never stop. So I think that being somebody that doesn't have a kid that I am, my work for her is for her to know, but I know that it is, she, I don't know what it's like, but we will not be in isolation that we will continue to connect and be of service for one another and for ourselves and our sweet kids and not just jude kaya's daughter, or cash's daughter kaya her husband jeff and you know my own kids learning about this in their own ways being the ages that they are
0: mm-hmm. maggie i love that so much and i i it takes me back actually to when you were in speaker training and we were talking about mash and what the meaning was and of course because Jude's story is so powerful and it really is the thing that pulls you forward physically as you're talking like uh, we will never stop. We will never stop. We will pull forward and we will pull together and rally around your community and around your friend. There was this lifetime as you say of you and Kasha, who had known each other for years. You go way back into early high school days and not just Jude's journey and Jude's diagnosis was almost at the end of your journey together as friends. I mean, you had been through, as you mentioned, the loss of Kasha's mother when you were, how old were you, Kasha, when you lost Judy?
2: Um, my mom passed away from breast cancer when I was uh, 21. 21.
0: And then I know um,
2: after that, you guys
0: went backpacking. We did. Together, we- there was a grief journey that you, you actually did support each other through. So talk to me a little bit about that time period in your lives when you were overcoming that challenge together and how, I think more especially,
2: why doing it together was important. Um, well, I never, I'll never forget coming off that airplane after... Um, You know, my mom had passed away. It had gone back. So Maggie, you know, we had been going through years of losses in different capacities, whether it was heartbreak. I know Maggie's parents, you know, graciously decided to separate and we, my mom and my mom (laughs) took me aside one day and said, call Maggie we're going we're getting in the in the minivan and we're going to drive until the sun shines and we ended up going down to san francisco and reno and traveling all over And, and and i remember falling asleep in the in the back seat and waking up and my mom was giving maggie pep talks about life and separation and journey and you know so maggie just like her parents and her family have brought me in it was this reciprocal you know thing that was happening when we were growing up and then you know Maggie had at that time we were both um, I had just moved back from living in Mexico for a couple years and Maggie was in university and she'd been working so hard to save up to go on this trip to go to Australia to go backpacking and my mom was um, diagnosed and she had put off her her trip and my mom got really mad at her and said you are going Like there is no way in hell you are staying home. You get that backpack on your shoulders. She's like, I will be so mad at you if you don't go. So Maggie really didn't have a choice. Like it was not open for discussion. And so she went over there and then my mom declined quite rapidly and it was really hard because there was this distance and she was there. And I mean, I can't speak for you, Maggie, but I know that there was a sense of like, should I be here? I, I need to be back home to support. But long story short, when my mom passed, I was able to go over and meet her. And we, I mean, I don't think you've seen two, two people cry as hard as we cried when I got off that plane because I hadn't seen her in months and my mom had passed away. And So it was our journey through grief together and um, and new beginnings together and just a lot of and that's where Maggie met her now husband. So there was a lot of um, you know, there was a lot of things and and I talk about this in the talk because my mom, one of the things that she said and she promised Maggie this too She said, you know, we talked a lot about death and dying, and that is something that, you know, my work has now carried me into palliative care, and that's sort of my area, and I do a lot of talking about serious illness conversations and end of life, and I think my mom really prepared me for that, and she's, you know, it was her openness and and, um, her ability to sort of normalize this conversation that often gets kind of pushed under the rug, like we don't talk about those things, and she was really really good at sort of bringing it forward in a light-hearted way but you know a, a really meaningful way and she would say things like you know kasha don't think you're gonna get rid of me that easy i'll be tucked in your pocket and you know and and same with maggie and she said i'll be leaving you guys gifts um in in people that's my way that you'll know that i'm still looking out for you and so i often joke we say like you know pete Pete was in Australia, so my mom must have been up there working her magic and making sure that she was dropping some people off for Maggie. And then, you know, my husband too, it's interesting how we met because, um, you know, it it's his mom and my mom were best friends growing up. So it, it's just, and we hadn't seen each other in years. So there was all, there's these people that have continually, you know, they just continue to show up. And now even in the MASH, they continue to show up complete strangers that have been like so generous, you know? And, um, yeah, so this, this journey of Australia was really Maggie and I working through grief through one step at a time with our backpacks on, not knowing where we were going, not knowing what the next day was going to look like. And, you know, and it goes back to us even then living in the movement quite often. Maggie talked about the movement awareness service and health, Sometimes we talk about more, more of it in a spiritual sense. And I think during that time it was, it was sometimes movement represents f- just sitting in silence and figuring out where you're stuck, where you're not moving, where you feel like something heavy is in, in your backpack and you just want to just stop. And you, you have this weight that you're trying to carry and it's just too much and you can't be in movement. And, and from there you move into awareness, bringing, bringing, a sense of awareness to what matters most who do you need in your life to help carry this heaviness and an awareness that it's okay to not be okay and just to, to feel stuck and that's part of life and that's part of grief and and then service is really about figuring out what you need first putting your you know we talk about putting your ma- oxygen mask on first on the airplane and creating your own self-care plan and being serviced to yourself before you can be serviced to other and then health is really about you know what does health look like health is subjective health looks different for everybody and it's not health doesn't mean you can't live with a you know a chronic illness or you can't live with grief or you can't live with um, adversity health is is figuring out you know where am i stuck who do i need What do I need? And then from there, what is working and what is not working? And that is health. You go back to like, what is health for me? And then you just keep cycling through that MASH process and it's gonna change and it has for us (laughs) because what was happening in that time during Australia is very different than what our MASH looks like now, right? What I love about this is it's all connected
0: by your, your mother, Judy's kind of higher wisdom here. It's all connected by people. So even when movement is changing or awareness is changing or the definition of service or health changes for you or evolves over the course of your life, the foundation of this really is the people that are along for that journey with you as
2: Mm -hmm. you and
0: Maggie have been for each other. And I mean, it's interesting to me too, I haven't even mentioned this yet in this recording is that I know both of you from back in the day as well, back Mm -hmm. in the day in Kamloops kind of loosely and then Maggie and I went to university together And then our mothers, Maggie's mother and my mother actually know each other from their work together, which is very service oriented um, back in Kamloops. So there's just this kind of interesting theme that I'm seeing, just even as I see our three faces here of like these generations of resilient, service oriented and community based women who have wrapped their arms around not just one another in times of challenge, but also around each other's children when that was needed. So saying, you know, as Maggie, your parents went through a separation and Cash's mom was there for you to kind of pull you into that family and wrap her arms around you. And then the same was true in your family when Casha lost her mother, your family sort of wrapped their arms around her and pulled her in. And I know that's true for my personal story as well with your mom and the connection in our community. But now you're doing the same thing for Cash's children and moving through that journey as well. I just think it's so incredibly beautiful and powerful and such a symbol of resilient women, frankly, and community as a whole. So I want to talk a little bit more, given the broader sense of community and connection here and all of these magical six degrees of separation. You girls are actually girls. I'm going to use the word women. Scrap Mm -hmm. that and edit. You women are writing a book. So not only in the last couple of years have you started the bash movement, then you joined the speaker training and performed a mind blowing talk, like for our virtual event. Now you're actually writing a book. It's a co authored book with another speaker graduate that which is the mom babes who graduated along with you talk about community. And this book is a mashup. I think these chapters that you are contributing is a mashup of some very core themes that pull through in both of your personal stories and your stories together, which are connection grief, love, and hope. And this kind of circular journey of being home because we've got this journey of all the way to Australia and back. We've got home being redefined in so many ways in both of your lives. And then this journey from BC all the way to the east coast of Canada as well, which kind of redefines home. So let's talk about the book. Let's talk about these chapters that you're currently writing, releasing on Mother's Day. This book will come out on Mother's Day. So uh, moving story out in the world in a bigger way, connection, grief, love, and hope. Maggie, talk to me about that. And Well, you know,
1: I, I'm going to acknowledge Kasha here because it was her sort of, yeah, I don't know, her inspiration, Maggie, like she, she joined after your amazing speakers trainer. She had the opportunity to join the mom babes for their virtual event. And she was so excited after attending it saying, Oh my God, they've got this amazing initiative and idea of bringing women together to share their stories. Maggie, let's do this. This is another way for another Avenue, another tool to add to our box. And I was, I think I was apprehensive. I said, Kesha, like, I'm not a writer. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't do this. So after, you know, very little push, I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Like Kesha and I do, it's very last minute and we're always seem to be a big yes. Um, I'm just so grateful that we did jump into this. They've got an amazing community and it's exactly that of a mashup. But when we started the process, you know, I thought, okay, yeah, we're going to go in and we're going to share our story of the mash. But as it evolved, we are sharing our stories of the mash and individually. And I think for, a, you know, this has been my thing. I, I Kesha's our journey for Jude is the mission. And I've, my thing is, is I don't want, anything to take away with it but what I've learned through this process is that we all have these individual stories that we're all going to connect differently with and in this process of of having this opportunity to write something it's been really um, therapeutic in some ways. Uh, COVID in itself this past year has made me ache for home and when I say home I mean BC and I had, I've been in Ontario like over 10 years now. And um, it's been a roller coaster of, you know, a battle of, I want to move back. Should we go back? You know, we've got a family here. I now have kids here. I have an amazing family, um, an extended family here that would be very hard to leave. And I've created this new sense of home and community here, but COVID has turned it back upside down for me and of course being away from the Mitten family through their journey. And as you know, Jude gets older and it, the challenges keep coming up, I want to be there. And, um, yeah. And so my story has just sort of evolved and been a journey of recognizing that I, uh, I actually maybe have home in two places, but mm-hmm. what I've been able to do and where I've actually created the mash, you know, not that it's ever been without Kasha, but I am mashing with other people here. And I have been in movement and been in awareness of what home looks like and how, you know, I'm really proud of the service that I have created in my community here that's extended globally through mine and Kasha's work. And that, you know, in writing this little chapter of this book, I've been able to work on my own mental health around, you know, sitting in that, okay, like, you know, whether it's not closing a door because, you know, my end goal is to be back in BC at some point, but that, you know, it's okay to also like land my feet where I am and to be really proud of where I am. So, and, you know, I guess when Kasia speaks in isolation, like I've brought in some awareness around that I have sometimes felt isolated myself here, but I'm aware that it might be. That I'm keeping my backpack my this invisible backpack closed and I'm not ready to unzip it necessarily because I'm afraid of losing the people out out west or if I if I let people in too much here you know will I have to say goodbye to another group of people so it's just been it's been really yeah it's been really amazing and I hope that it will connect with some other moms because I know you know lots of moms and not just moms women we make changes and we leave you know we have to leave some of our roots and create new ones and it can, it's harder, the older we get, you know, it's easier when you're in university, yeah. but when you're older, yeah, those really connections are hard. And, you know, I feel like mine and Cash's friendship is not an, we always say, is it normal? Like we're, we're more than just friends. So it's I think extraordinary really it's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Well, I thank you for sharing that too, that just sort of staying in the moment and trying to stay grounded and peaceful. I think a lot of people, as you say, can relate to that right now, but um, just isolation in general is just that contradictory force, which is what we're all sort of fighting against is we want to reconnect. We want this sense of belonging and community and advocacy for just the mother who's feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. but also the mother who's feeling lonely in her journey with a child with a rare disease. So no matter what that story looks like, it really is about connection. It's about staying together and really supporting one another. And you do say your friendship is extraordinary. I will validate that for you. And we've said, you know, even after the speaker training program, man, we just wish everybody in the world had a Maggie or a Kasha had their own version of this because it's more than friendship. It's really about family. It's really about creating I mean, community just feels, it almost feels like not a big enough word, but I I feel like I want to mash together the words family and community and love and belonging and and complete resilience and support and and unending, undying, kind of unconditional love for one another. It's just so beautiful to witness. And I want you to take me, because you've mentioned the word backpack a couple of times, and this was a key theme of your talk, which was called Unzipped. But Kasia, talk to us about the backpack and how that might relate to your chapter of the book as well. Because I know that this is it's a really powerful theme that you now teach as well.
2: Yeah, it's um oh the infamous backpack. So one thing Maggie and I being that Maggie's a teacher and I'm a nurse and we've both always been able to have this sense of um you know one thing I always say in my teaching as a nurse is all behavior has meaning. And that means that, you know, people are the way they are because there's always a story behind the the behavior or and, and if we take the time to get curious, things start to make sense. Right. And so um, basically we're just calling that backpack the story that people carry and the contents inside are very different based on everybody's experience experiences through life. But what we have learned both as a nurse and as a teacher is that the contents inside have all been placed in there by the basic human emotions of, you know, love, grief, joy, you know, sadness, fear, and that if we take the time to get curious and if we become vulnerable enough to unzip and show people what's inside there, um, it, it allows people to really develop true connection not the hot wire connection where we just like sit there and talk about how pretty our backpacks look and where we got them but real connection of like real authentic connection of like you know you're telling me something really hard and i'm sitting here with you and I you know and I've just learned something really deep and meaningful about you and now I can I'm connected and I want to help and I also want to share with you and we it's a sense of like sharing tools and and also a sense of like you know really understanding when people's backpack is heavy and I talk a little bit in my talk about the bricks that were placed in my backpack during the time of my son's diagnosis and the heaviness and my my inability to move. Like I was stuck. Right. And then I I talk a little bit about, you know, the people that sort of helped me unzip because, you know, we're humans and we don't like change and we're scared. And I was very scared. And I went through a time where I was, you know, I just wanted to be small and I just, I, I didn't, I couldn't even absorb what was going on because it was too much. But then over time, when you just get quiet, I just, you know, you hear that voice and it just is calling and it's louder and louder. And I was like, this is a story that needs to be shared because, yeah. you know, it was hard. I And I do talk a little bit about even times when I, you know, I felt this guilt because I didn't want to share pieces because I felt like I was putting it on someone. And and when you say you have a son with like, you know, a fatal disease, it's 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 not always easy for people to respond or they're just like, oh my gosh, Like it's, you know what I mean? So I I always would feel guilty and bad about sharing and I would feel like I just would try to make it light because I just wanted to feel normal. And then I remembered something I tucked in my pocket during my first year of um, nursing school, a a very lovely um, professor of mine who I will always hold dear to my heart um, she said to me, Kasha, we were talking about what is normal. And she said to me, Kasha, the only normal thing in life is a setting on your dryer. And I, <laughs> and I come back to that often. I'm like, what is normal? Why am I trying to be normal? Like, what is normal? Like, and then it's okay to have this and, you know, and, and to unzip and let it out. And yes, it's heavy. And if people don't want to unzip and share or they're not in that place that's okay too because I think in life we're all at different places and some people get to a place of being able to unzip and and unfortunately some people don't and that's okay too because we can still get curious and recognize that they have things inside that they're not ready to share and we can still find ways to support them and stay open and help carry it and it's all good right What might some of those things
0: be, Kesha, because you said, you know, when you were carrying those heavy bricks around and we really like I was feeling that kind of through the screen as you were saying it, too. And you said that there was people around you and that slowly made it easier for you to begin to unzip. What was it, I think, maybe for people out there wondering how can they support a friend whose backpack is quite heavy right now? How can I support somebody in my world whose bricks are just piling up in the best way possible without maybe creating more of, of that any of the guilt or the harm what could somebody do or say to
2: help ease the burden or to just unzip what's the best way to support honestly Anna like I always and you do too you're so good at talking about like words are so powerful but also so inadequate in times of grief because sometimes I call it when I teach palliative care I say because always people always say like what what can you do or say when somebody's in deep grief and I say you don't have to say or do anything all you have to do is recognize that they're in the hot stew they're they're floating in the hot stew and you're if you're just willing to just step in and be in there in that that sense of real discomfort with them and sometimes You don't have to say anything at all. You just have to let the silence do the heavy lifting and just be there. And Maggie has done that for me, you know, like just sitting there while I cry being on the other end of the phone or just small acts of kindness, you know, reaching out saying, Hey, I want to take your kids or, Hey, um, what do you need? Or, you know, in the early days coming home and somebody had dropped off a meal or, you know, just, just random, acts of kindness just little things that little breadcrumbs that people would leave that would just make me remember when I'm in <laughs> literally lying on my bathroom floor like a hot mess. just remembering that you're not alone you know you're not alone and it's sometimes not in the words but in the actions of people It's that's it and sometimes it's just being okay with sitting with people in that hot uncomfortable sweaty stew that's how I describe it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just being, being okay with them, not being okay.
2: Yeah. And like knowing that sometimes it's just to, you know, it's just enough to say, thank you for letting me be here with you right now. And we don't need to talk. I just want to be with you. And I just, you know, like sometimes there is, there are no words. It's just that it's that sense of being. And Maggie and I've talked about that. It's not so much, you know, what you do but it's who you are it's it's we're we're human beings and it's how we show up and sometimes that's just in the way we in the in in our own way of being not so much in what we say but because you know you always hear that too where people will say oh let me know if you need anything or oh I'm thinking." but really but then really i have also noticed you know this has been a time for me to really get clear on like those true people the ones that are you know like And I had a lot of grief in that too because there was people when you think, okay, if something really bad ever happened, they would be my people. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's the people you least expect, right? And that's okay too, because like I said, everybody's in a different journey. Everybody, some people are carrying their own stuff. Some people aren't ready to unzip and share, and that's okay. And that took me a while to figure that out, to be like, what do you mean you don't want to unzip? Like, doesn't everyone want to talk about, like, the, you know, the deep, yes. dark, vulnerable secrets and that's really... You, obvious- you and me both, <laughs> cash- I'm <laughs> like, I don't get it. But then I had to step back and get over myself and be like, this is actually a cashier problem because, no, not everybody is, and that's okay. And, like, you you know, like, it doesn't make you... a." A a better or worse person and it's okay.
0: And, and the, the, and the action too, I mean, there's lots, I, I love this because in that, those sort of acute phase of grief, when you're looking for somebody just to get in that hot stew, as you say, the more I know that the human inclination is like, if I can't fix it, I just freeze. If mm-hmm. I can't fix it for them, I just freeze and I don't know what to do and therefore I do nothing. And then I, again, it's like, that's unhelpful. It's like step in. And even if you don't know what to do, say i I don't necessarily know what to do but i'm going to be here for you yeah i'm in the stew as you say i'm in the stew and then there's these kind of broader actions as you move forward and as you move forward in your journey which is to rally community around if you know if they want to support and they want to help then fundraising and supporting these events and engagements that mash is putting on is one way to actually do that even if your backpack is a little heavy these days, you can always help by supporting these events. So I want to jump over to your fundraising event, which I believe is coming up at the end of the month. And it is called Rise to Rare. Did I get that right?
2: Rise for Rare. Yeah.
0: Rise for Rare. My apologies. Rise for Rare. Um, And it is taking place on International Rare Disease Day. Um, But I will say no more. I will pass the microphone back over here. Tell us all about this fundraising event, what's happening and how we can support you.
2: Thanks.
1: Sure. You know, I I wanna just reiterate like around the not knowing what to do too. I think what's been um, for me anyways, what's been really, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for right now, but really I've been touched by being that I live here in Ontario I have people here that have never met Kasha and her family that show up every single event that we've done. And I don't even know off of the top of my hand, how many different yoga classes that Kasha and I led last year, but the support in my community here, um, from power yoga, Canada and Lululemon, and just like people that would show up to my class, but now are reaching out. When are you guys doing something? I mean, and now Cash and I, I have had the opportunity to connect with Duchenne's families here in Ontario has been, you know, just like the ability for connection and community to take place when you least um, expect it has just been remarkable. And I think that like both Cash and I are just Incredibly grateful for the people that are just stepping in that we didn't even know would be here. And it's almost their actions for me, anyways. And it's helped me in my grieving process of missing Kasha that I know that I can do something, not physically being in the same space as them. For sure. So that's been incredible. So on the 28th, uh, Cash and I, like we like to do, we are coming together on what's been a cool, pl- I don't know if I want to say cool, but what's been an amazing opportunity, a silver lining from COVID is that we actually get to teach together online. So we are teaching a yoga class. We might call it a Yang and Yin. I'll teach, you know, the power side and kasha with her amazing talents of restorative brings in And her niece is actually a musician and is going to be singing live on it as well for us, which is amazing. So just connecting more family, but um, you know, if you follow along on our mash movement on Instagram or you um, we have our Facebook page, you can sign up there. Um, You know, we've, we've just been like our community itself is growing each time we have a class and I don't know, we're just, we're so excited and it's, it's what brings us joy to be able to, you know, get deliver something that is so special to us in movement, but raising awareness. And this time, what's special about this time is that we're bringing voice, of course, for Duchenne's, but also, you know, bringing the broader spectrum of rare disease, so that we can, you know, have a louder voice for all of these families that are dealing with. And I, what I can't imagine through this past year has been ever more so challenging. Mm-hmm. in the isolation of healthcare and the needs. So Fantastic. yeah, we would love to move with you on the 28th. We would love to move with you. And we I don't even think we mentioned that you
0: guys in addition to the work that you do, because um, Maggie, you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Kasha, you obviously are a palliative care nurse, as we've discussed, as well as being mothers and parents and friends and owners of this MASH movement you are also yoga teachers, So this is something that is, is so pivotal as well and that you believe in because yoga, of course, is so much more than just the movement and the asana. It's so much more about the connection. And um, I just wanted to mention that in case we had forgotten to mention that you are actually our professional yoga instructors as well. Yeah, And that is part of this event. So it is February. Did I get that right? February 28th.
2: Yeah. we'll be- these
0: notes In the show notes as well for our listeners. So if you are listening and you want to connect, Uh, for rise for rare I will connect but what is let's tell everybody your Instagram handle in case
2: they skim the show notes just so they yeah it's at the mash movement the
0: mash movement
2: the mash movement and um yeah and we're on Facebook as well Is um and we're called the mash movement there Um, our, all the information is in our link, in our bio, we're just doing it pay as you can. We know that there's like a lot going on with folks if they can and they want to, um, donate, that's great. If not, that's okay too. Just come and move. We just want people to move. And sometimes we get... Folks that ask us, you know, like I'm not comfortable with Zoom and like I've never done yoga and that this has also been the silver lining, even though, of course, our we love to connect in person, but with it being on Zoom, it's you can turn your camera off and you can just play on your mat at home with nobody else looking no one else like this is really a time for people to just um, explore and, you know, and try something on that maybe they haven't done before and you know we have like we do have quite a few um of our regulars that show up and you know they're really comfortable with having their screen on so you can always have somebody to follow along to we make it all levels you know there's no you know it's come as you are start where you are come as you are just roll out your mat and if you just need to lay there um We've had that too, like last week I had a beautiful experience of a member that of uh, a really special human actually who's given back to us a lot and her her sister was palliating and she rolled her mat out beside her sister's bed and her sister shared with us after or shared with me after the class how nice it was to just lay there during her last days and listen to the voices and listen to the to the sound of the, the asanas being guided through and visualizing that in her head. And to me, like you talk about like yoga is so much more, you know, you can do it lying in a bed, just listening. Maybe there's some words that resonate with you. It doesn't have to be a particular way. And that's Again, what's great
0: about this. Again, it's about the connection, right? Just show up so that you are together Show up so that you can be here, matched up with the match movement, matched up with people across the country, maybe other countries, but really just, again, the foundation of everything you do is not just about one pillar. It's not just about two or three or even four or how those pillars evolve. It's about the belonging that exists underneath it. The way that... that... Go ahead, Maggie. Yeah. yeah well,
1: no, and Casha just as you said that, like what came to mind even around awareness, but... Accessibility. Kasha and I want to make our movement and that's our next sort of venture is taking some training so that we are creating yoga and movement classes that are accessible for all and particularly, of course, the Duchenne family of community of people so that anybody and everybody can be a part of our movement classes so they can, you know, be in that safe place to feel a part of a community. I love that. And Kesha,
0: can you just spell the word Duchenne for us? I know that it just I'm going to have it in the show notes as well. But just in case anybody is listening, and they want to look up duchenne's muscular dystrophy and learn
2: more i know it's a bit of a uh yeah word so go ahead so it's d-u-c-h-e-n-n-e and Jesse's journey if you go to jessysjourney.com, they are like the main resource for canada like the main charity for canada they have lots of resources there's links there they talk about different families um and it's been like it's been incredible just maggie talks so much about her Um, her community over there. In the fall, we did 25 Days of Live in the Movement, which Anna, you were a part of as well. We had folks from across North America um, give their time back through different classes and workshops. And we had people chime in from all over the world. Um, And what was really cool about it is like for the first time, and as a mom, when I talk about what brings me hope, it's when I see these complete strangers and I'll start to cry on instagram you know talking about we i just learned something new this is like you know a a a friend of mine who her son has duchenne and this is what it is so like this this it's not just like yes we need the funds and yes we need like the drugs for this are incredibly expensive and right now we're trying to face that battle but it's more than that it's when as a parent when you hear people talking about it and learning about it that's what brings hope and that's what brings healing and that's what makes you like reminds you that you're not alone and that there's people that are out there because quite often I talk about it and I'm like rare diseases is like the soggy salad at the medical buffet you know like nobody's really talking about it it's like the ambrosia salad But, so i my calling to life, my Dharma, is like, I want to take the Ambrosia salad and make it something that people are talking about because these are people that don't have voices. There's not a lot of us. it's we get you know we get sort of like, oh, you know, kind of we don't have the resources and 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 the 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 collective voice. it's not as strong as other things. And there is isolation and loneliness. And this is what I'm not only speaking for myself, but this is what I'm hearing from the voices of the families that I talk to. And they're struggling so much that they say, like, I don't even have a voice. I'm so I'm in such deep grief that I I can't even talk about it because I just start crying. And so I have through time, like if this conversation had have happened a few years ago, I probably would have been in the same boat. Mm -hmm. But in time I've been able to use my voice and now I just can't even sleep at night because I'm just like I gotta talk about it I gotta like get out there I gotta you know you just like that that calling gets so much louder and louder and louder and now Megan are like I'm like I envision yoga classes where there's folks in wheelchairs and other people on their mat and some folks in chairs and all levels like we don't see that. We talk about it a lot, but when we talk about equity and accessibility and movement, like we don't see that as a collective. And they're like, we really want to, we really want to create something where it is community that you can come in in a wheelchair, you can come in and do chair yoga, you can come in and do like a full-on physical power class. But we are all together in one movement together. Or maybe you're just sitting there and you're practicing your pranayama, your breath, like. That is movement too. I love that. So that's like our vision. I, I love your vision. Let me
0: tell you, there's there's love for your vision. There's passion for your vision. But I'm in awe, truly in awe, and so inspired by the two of you. I just, I truly, I don't know if I can articulate it well enough how brave and profound both of you are in this mission, in what you do, you draw us in, in such a way and as I'm sitting here, listening to you, Kasha, I thought, usually on these podcast recordings, and we're, we're going to be wrapping here soon, I, you know, kind of kick off with my voice, and I end with my voice. And in between, I kind of get to mash sandwich up these beautiful interviews. Um, but Kesha as you're talking, I thought, you know, there's nothing that I can say, there's nothing I can say that I can add more passion or more advocacy for what you do and for the MASH movement and why it started and what your broader mission is. So I really do, as we wrap here today, um, beyond being grateful for both of you being here and sharing these stories and this mission, I would really love to give you um, kind of the final word here. And maybe this is the moment that we can use for you, Kasha, to give voice to those parents out there who you say maybe don't have that voice. And to share what they're really feeling and what is really happening behind closed doors of families who deal with rare diseases and inequity and inaccessibility of medications. What voice, I mean, you just go for it. I'm not gonna even frame this out. You just, I want you to have the last word here and tell us anything and everything you need to advocate for and be the voice for
2: your family and all families. Yeah, I just, I would say that Going back to the backpack, if we really understand that we all are we all are human and we're all carrying the same. I don't know if I'm gonna articulate this well, but you know, those human contents that are placed in each of our backpacks, and I know what I'm asking is big because I understand if I was to sit here and my mom passed away from cancer, so I've talked about cancer before and everybody seems to be able to relate because everybody has had somebody and so they get it, right? But when I say Duchenne, they go, what, what, huh? So it's really hard to find that connection. But what I can say is this, just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean that those feelings and emotion, if you felt lost, whether it's in cancer or any other illness, um, that's that's what these families are feeling. and. If, if that is true, and I know it's true because I hear the voices, then it, it, it's about understanding that human connection. Megan and I talk about it as the invisible string that it connects us all, the tapestry of our humanity. And if I can ask anybody this is to just say, I'm not asking you to understand what it's like to live with Duchenne, but I'm asking you what it's like to live in grief every day. And when the time is, the clock is ticking and you're watching your your poor child lose time on this earth if you can connect to that that's what these parents are feeling and that's what I ask from people is just to connect to that so we are all connected and I believe that so truly and I know Maggie and I both believe that so truly and so as I get teary, I just I'm here to say that we we ask you to mash with us and we want you to know that we are here to mash with whatever you're carrying as well. It's quite often we think it's it looks a lot different, but when we unzip, we'll we'll understand that there is something in there that connects us. Whether it's grief or loss or whatever, so we're here for you and we ask you to join us as well in our mission. I'm there for you, I'm here for it. Thank you, thank, thank you so much. You so I know that. that you've touched people and reached people today. I just want to say one more thing to Anna, sorry. Um, okay. Like my mom said, and I've said this before, she's brought me my people, and she said this to Maggie, she promised she would bring us our people. You have shown up in our life for a reason, my dear, and you have given us so much. And you have been an integral part of putting our voice, our little voice um, tools in our toolbox for me to be able to talk and share this story. So thank you so much. Thank it you, is Anna.
0: Absolutely and truly my honor. It really is. I, I know that that sounds trite, but um, to even have played a small role in providing a larger microphone for this mission and for your story, Kasia, um, it's a privilege for me to have even been trusted enough to be on this journey with you. I'm in awe, absolutely in awe. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Cashel. Thank you for being here and thank you for sharing that final message with us. I think it's so powerful. We'll be following along and um, I hope everybody out there will be joining the Rise for Rare event on February 28th. Thanks again. Thank you Cara. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.